Hello. Welcome to What She's Thinking. I'm Greg Schwartz, your dating coach. Men like you have sent in questions about dating and sex. I have a group of women that are going to answer your questions, and I'll help clarify their answers so you hear exactly what these women want and why. Send in your questions at debugdating.com questions. And remember, subscribe so you can hear all of the episodes. Now, ladies, please introduce yourselves. Uh, my name is A. I'm 27 years old. I live in San Francisco, and I'm an artist. I'm an oil painter. I've been selling my work professionally for about seven years. And I am a fire dancer. I do fire hoop and poi and a little bit of fans as well. And I work in psychedelic research. I think that's good. Yeah. And then personality wise. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I'm extremely outgoing. I'm a Leo. <laughs> uh, I talk a lot. Um, I have kind of a lot of opinions <laughs> and um, kind of always striving f- to be a mix of logical and uh, emotionally in touch. Um, I'm a Taoist. So I'm really interested in the concept of the yin and the yang. Um, just as a personal philosophy and a lifestyle philosophy. I do a lot of yoga. I uh, take a lot of walks, try to stay active, and I'm very clean. I'm looking for someone who's very independent and a free thinker and someone who's got a good balance of masculine qualities but is still in touch with their feminine qualities as well. And, you know, someone with a good job, that's important to me, someone with a good income. And, yeah, I guess I'm kind of a mix of traditional and contemporary, um, looking for some traditionally masculine qualities um, with a blend of of contemporary qualities as well. Okay. Um, My name is Jay. I'm 27. I'm from the East Coast. I am also a fire dancer. Um, I take my flow arts somewhat seriously. Um, I spend a lot of time practicing, and I've been doing it for about three years. Uh, poi fans and hoop. Uh, so I really like to dance. Uh, I work in media. So I really like to talk about the state of the media and politics in general. I've worked in politics for a long time. So I'm really fascinated with exploring uh, different sides of the political thought spectrum. I devote a lot of time to that. I am very active, very active lifestyle. I go for lots of walks, do yoga, bicycling, all kinds of fun stuff. I like to cook. I, uh, but yeah, I'm pretty energetic. I feel like I have a, a, like an enthusiastic personality. I took the Enneagram quiz and I got the enthusiast. So I get really like excited about things, even like little things. And I, yeah, strive to be centered i try to you know keep things light uh but i also like to delve into intense intellectual topics with people and in partners i always look for someone who balances me out in the sense that they can kind of uh point out the things i'm not seeing whether we're talking about politics or psychoanalyzing my friends or or whatever. (laughs) Um, I like to find someone who kind of acts as like a check on my, uh, my thoughts and points out, keeps me centrist, keeps me, keeps me centered. Someone who 
you know, has a good job, is logical, but also in touch with, yeah, their heart space. Someone who likes to explore intellectually um, or explore with drugs, <laughs> explore the world. Um, someone open-minded, but also really grounded, reliable, and trustworthy. Hi, my name is Lauren. I'm originally from the East Coast. I'm 37 years old. In terms of dating me, what I want people to notice is how much I like to laugh and to dance, how much I enjoy conversations where we go into politics, upbringings, relationships, your emotions. What I look for in a man I'm dating is someone who knows how to be in front of a room and someone who knows how to acquiesce that to somebody else. I want someone who's inherently nice. When they see an old person crossing the street, they're the first one to go and volunteer and help. And I also someone, want someone who is bold about their feelings and emotions for me, whether it be from the first day they meet me to having known me six months down the road. They're quite intentful in everything they do about being with me and getting to know me. In terms of us coming together, I want a partnership that may look codependent to others, but in actuality, it's each of us pushing, pushing each other to be our best selves. If they were to walk away, I won't fall down, but it's also because they've helped me stay strong. I do the same for them. I also want someone who I can live out every adventure with. Kids is not my main goal, but having a partner in crime definitely is. Being around me is like being in the most judgment-free zone. If you decide to be a slob, a mistress, a superstar, or do jazz hands every chance you get, I love it all. My friends have always known me to take you at your best and your worst and to help you get through whatever is going on. I really like people to come around me and feel comfortable, but also to feel motivated and to feel like I'm a friend that they'll have for life, regardless of the situation, time, and distance. Do you expect anything different from matches at the high end of your age range versus the average or the low end of your age range? I expect matches at the high end of my age range to be a lot more together. <laughs> That's my experience anyway. Older guys seem to have more experience and um, know themselves a bit more clearly. I, I feel like I've had decent luck with matches on the low end of my age range, which is always my age, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like the lowest I'll date is my actual age. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, right. and I've always kind of kept to that and it's uh, been pretty good those have been good matches. We're kind of at similar places in our lives. But I do think it's true what they say with uh, men maturing more slowly than women. Yeah, I think it's 11 years difference. Yeah. So I've read recently. Yes, I would agree. I definitely expect a difference. And I expect on the higher end, there's a certain confidence and a know-how that comes with that. Whereas on the younger end, which goes below my own age, there's just a sense of confusion, usually from them, and uh, a need of guidance from me. Like, it'll all be okay if you just tell me, but there's a presumption that I'm okay with just telling them. Is there something specific, well, probably more than one thing, but are there specific things that often you see they need explanation about, or is it kind of everything in dating? There's specific things. I think when it comes to sex, it's up to the individual. I've been impressed with young and old. When it comes to showing up and having an ongoing relationship, it's often the younger ones that say, well, what do you expect? How do I show up? What does that look like? 
Whereas older ones, I think they're a bit set in their ways. So regardless of what I want, they're going to show up how they feel they want to be in a relationship. Interesting. Is one of those better than the other or is it just sort of different and sometimes it's better and sometimes it's worse depending on the individual? I don't like setting the pace. So the older is generally better for me. The younger one, I'll, I'm open to being surprised. But again, I don't like setting the pace. For you, what are the pros and cons of the online dating apps versus the online dating websites like Tinder, Bumble, Coffee Meets Bagel apps versus like OkCupid, Match, Plenty of Fish, the websites? The apps seem more like one-off. People don't seem to put a lot of thought into their profiles, which is not good if you're trying to filter for a meaningful relationship. You're not getting a lot of information from people. At most, you'll get like, if they're attractive, and then like, some people will just put like emojis in their profile. And I'm like, that tells me nothing about you. So I never really liked those and never had any long-term relationships come out of them. It's They seem more like they're for hookups. And then OkCupid, it's more encouraged to like put a lot of information in your profile. So it's better for filtering for a long-term partner. I always preferred OkCupid. Yeah, I agree. The dating apps seem to have more of a reputation for being more hookup-centric, whereas the, the web-based uh, platforms are for people looking for something a little bit more serious. I like OkCupid because it can be both, but people still, I think it's more encouraged to put a lot of information in your profile. I never really got into Tinder. Um, mostly, I've mostly used OkCupid, so I can only really speak to that. I think either the web and the app, they have different inputs, but I feel like they both have the same outputs, which has been negative for me. <laughs> so I get excited about, oh, they want more information. They're going to figure out the best pairing for me. And then a month later, even a week later, it's like, eh, here we are again. Like same destination, different liftoff, but disappointment in the end. Gotcha. And following on to that, how do you think we as guys can tell a catfishing profile, a woman who's catfishing us from a woman who is authentic, real? Oh, that's a good question. Mm. I don't know. I don't either. I've only been on the end of my friends being catfished by guys and the telltale signs were that they wanted to exchange a lot of pictures, but did never want to meet. Uh, my roommate experienced that recently. It was interesting. Yeah. A guy that kept saying, and he was sending her dick pics and they were like sexting and stuff. And she'd be like, so do you want to get a coffee? And cause she was enjoying the sexting and he was really attractive, like really attractive and that was another thing that kind of made us skeptical is that he was super attractive. So maybe, I mean, you don't want to say, oh, if someone's like super attractive, they might be catfishing you because that might be unfair to authentic, very attractive people, but it might also be a flag. <laughs> so yeah, but if they never want to meet up or they're really flaky. I think it's the, the attractiveness with the professional pictures. It's like these look like mm. catalog model pictures and or more. And it's like, okay, it often feels to me like the app or the site has put this into the system in order to keep yes. you attentive. Bumble. Bumble. Totally. Bumble, Bumble totally was giving me fake profiles. I actually deleted the app because of it. And wow. Same. It was so obvious. It was these model-esque guys in suits like in Armani. I was like, this, these aren't guys in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, that is, that's weird. Okay. All right. So- one of the complaints men often have with online dating is women reply back with very short messages that are just like, yeah, it was a fun day or, you know, 
I don't know, their favorite band or whatever it is. And don't ask questions back. So the guy will ask a question and, and the woman will respond, but not ask a question to him. So then it, he has to ask another question to keep the conversation alive. What would you recommend to guys that are running into that in terms of how to try and engage the woman such that she does respond with more interesting answers and also asks him questions back? I I will say that women experience that same thing as well. And I found that... What I like for men to do when talking to me is they would pick out something interesting in my profile and ask specifically about that and ask more open-ended questions. Do not ask yes or no questions because then people are just going to say yes or no. So asking more in the realm of like questions like why or how or uh, questions that are like going to actually encourage her to open up into her intellect are definitely better. And you can use clues on someone's profile as to what they're interested in. I mean, that's why it's there and what you can ask them questions about. Although that can also be, have a dark side. I I know how to ride a unicycle and I put that in my profile thinking it was like a cute thing to mention. And just everyone asked about it. Like everyone's like, Oh, can you teach me how to ride a unicycle? And I was like, okay. And I got it so often that I actually took it out because it was the, it was just standing out to people almost too much. So it wasn't helping me to vet. I needed to have them do a little more work and not give them the obvious, interesting thing. (laughs) Yeah, I would say pick up on the subtleties of her profile, something that's a little more subtle and ask a pointed question about it. Don't ask generic questions that have like, how's your weekend going? I get that a lot. And it's just like completely boring. And, you know, it's fine. So pick up on something that is a little more subversive that she might not hear very often. And yeah, I think that yeah, I think that's a good rule of thumb. Clues will be there. Mm-hmm. When you say subversive, what do you mean by that? Um, I don't know. I have something in my profile about how I have complicated feelings about San Francisco. So that's pretty vague. So, you know, men are like, uh, I also have complicated feelings about San Francisco. Do you care to elaborate? And that gets the ball rolling a lot more than like, yeah, San Francisco is pretty crazy. Like, do you like it? You know, so I don't know. Something that isn't doesn't stand out as much, kind of like, to what Jay just said about her really obvious point of, of conversation, pick something that's a little more subtle. I love that question. That's a great question. I think in your answer, the one you give or the one they give back to you, you're learning about someone's personality versus um, conditions that describe the world around them. Like questions I hate are, what do you do? Where are you from? That tells you nothing about me. You may think it does, but it really doesn't. Um, So for men wanting women to ask questions back to them, I would say, one, men, why do you always need women to dote on you and ask you all the fucking questions? Ask us a fucking question every now and then. Yeah, I I was hearing your question about this. I I was immediately thinking, guys, never ask me questions. I'm the one always asking all the questions. So um, you must be talking to really nice guys. (laughs) It's actually something that all of my clients, because I coach both men and women, and they all universally complain that the other person doesn't ask them questions back. We have wow. some conversational yeah. crisis in society then. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> what I would suggest, though, if you want a conversation, again, about personality, I think when people start with what do you do, where are you from, it, it, you're manifesting your dead end. I would suggest ser- share something personal about you, about your personality or the experiences that bring you joy or make you sad, and then add that into the question you're asking them. So that way you reveal something about yourself and they can comment on that as well as ask you the question, um, answer your own question. 
I find that like questions that start with like how or like I said, how or why are good. So like if a woman has in her profile that she likes to dance, which is something that I had in my profile and someone would say, well, how did you get into that form of dance? Then I could tell a story and then, you know, there's no way to force someone to get you to ask a question back. But then I would, you know, counter that with how did you get into XYZ thing on your profile? So then you're exchanging stories, which gives narrative to how your life has gone and also some insight into like how your brain works um, when you know, what compels you to get into something new or, or whatever. How do you think men and women experience online dating differently? You know, I'm sure you've talked to male friends and you have experiences with it. Yeah, I hear that women get a lot more requests and messages than men do, whereas men spend a lot of time sending out messages and not hearing anything back. So women are more like filtering a lot of of messages, whereas men are doing a lot of like cold calling. That's that's exactly what came to mind for me as well. Yeah, that women just have a super full inbox. Although I know some of the apps are redesigning the user experience, so that doesn't happen as much. But women get a ton of messages and men are sending the messages. Yeah, it's so much what I've heard. Um, I guess the founder of Bumble wrote a book about, some, let's say, the law of averages for men sending out pings versus women. And I guess the most attractive men are get the most pings back. And then if you're not, let's say, a 9 to 10 and you're sending pings out, you can expect not to get like the cliff just drops with the response you get back. And so with that, he's coached all men. If you're not a nine or 10, send out every ping you possibly can, because the average response rate you get is so much lower. You might as well ping everyone to get anything back. Yeah. My ex actually created an, a bot, I think, to message women. I was just going to bring this up. I know men yeah. have done this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I didn't meet him on an app, but but he got responses that way, you know, just cover more ground. Yeah, on average, men get about a 10% response rate. And, you know, one of the things that I teach them is like how to write good messages, which actually pretty much everything you just said is in that. So awesome. And that triples it. But then it's still one third, basically. And that, yeah, it's rough. Yeah. Don't send, hey, what's up? Ugh. Yeah. Or how just are a you? hey, what Ugh. are you doing? Got to give more than that to get more. Delete, delete, delete. Yeah. Can. <laughs> if you could choose any activity for your next first date, what would it be and why? For first dates, I prefer just like an hour to an, to two hours of getting a, just getting a drink and not alcohol, like tea or coffee. Um, I don't really like drinking on my on my first days because I don't know you and I don't know. It feels like it's setting up kind of a pressured situation, I suppose. There's implications. But I, I heard on this podcast, actually, some girls talking about wanting to go hiking. And I thought that was kind of ridiculous. <laughs> I wouldn't want to commit to something like that with someone I, I was just talking to online. Not like a rape murder situation. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm not going into the woods with some guy that I just met. <laughs> like, I've, I've had people suggest pretty intense first dates, like, like go for a ride on my motorcycle or go on a hike or something like that. And I'm with A, I would rather just get a coffee or a tea Maybe a drink, but I do think now that I'm older, uh, not my preference because I think it can distort reality a bit. <laughs> right. Yeah. I like a walk, um, usually with some kind of treat. If it's warm enough, a walk with ice cream and ice cream in particular, because I think it brings this youthful, innocent feel to it and it kind of makes people open up. Oh, that sounds really nice. I'll go yeah. on a first date with you. <laughs> <laughs> ice cream is my go-to first date for exactly that reason. Oh, that's a yeah. good one. No that's one's cool. ever. It's so much fun. Huh. That's awesome. 
Do you care how much the guy makes? What if he makes less than you? Does that make him less attractive? It matters to me how much a guy makes. Um, making less than me? Well, I work at a nonprofit, so it it might. <laughs> I don't make that much money, so it might make him appear less attractive. I um, I do. I think the reason that women care about how much men make is because it's a signal of their resourcefulness and if they'd be able to take care of you in the event that you got pregnant, like evolutionarily speaking, um, could you help me when I couldn't work? So I think that's the reason that it does matter. Yeah, it matters to me as well. And I've dated men who make a lot and men who don't make a lot. And I would definitely say that the guy that I dated where he didn't make a lot of money I was really young, so I wasn't really looking to like get settled in a relationship, so it was fine. But it was, I just knew, and that was a really big reason why that was not going to be a long-term situation for me, because I want to have a family, and that requires resources, and, and that's really what's in the back of women's minds, I think, when they do want someone who makes money, so... I would agree um, for different reasons, though. I live a lifestyle that requires a certain income. Um, and I have that income right now. I haven't always had that income. And at that time, my lifestyle was different. But the way it is now, I travel quite a bit. I eat out almost every night. Um, I like fashion. So between those things, I actually don't have a lot of friends who don't have similar incomes. And the ones with lesser incomes, we hang out in a certain way doesn't mean we don't hang out. It's just, it's just different. Um, but when it comes to a partner who's going to be in my life for a lot of the time, I don't want that to ever be a challenge that we come up against. So just I'd have to make a sincere lifestyle change. And I don't foresee that happening. If you're two dates in and he still hasn't kissed you, would you move on? What would you sort of interpret that to mean? That actually just happened to me, but I wasn't feeling it either, so I was happy <laughs> that <laughs> that he didn't kiss me. If I was into him and he didn't, um, mm, I might start making up stories in my head about what, what was going on. And um, yeah, was he? Yeah, it would it would be it would be concerning to me. I think. Yeah, I don't need a kiss on the first date, but by the end of the second date. I'd probably be concerned if that hadn't happened. I, I I'm I look for a man who's dominant, so it would read to me as not a very dominant move. Move on, for sure. If I, as the guy, match with you, and then we chat a little bit, but before we can go on a date, I get busy with work or some other reason, and so it's like you know a month or so later before I can try and come back to you and sort of reactivate that conversation what's the best way to bring that conversation back to life to then try and meet in person and go on a date? That's tough. This happened to me as well, actually. Somebody came around after getting busy about actually like six months later, and I didn't go out with him um, for other reasons. But he said that he had been traveling, which I thought was a valid reason, but that's pretty difficult to do. It, it reads as you're noncommittal. Yeah, that's happened to me, and I've always been open-minded about reconnecting but there definitely does need to be like a good reason that is presented like and I don't know if I got busy with work is a good one because yeah if work is the reason that you haven't been getting back to me then how are you gonna have time for a relationship if you're so busy with work so that's not a great reason I have I have gone to men and said, I wasn't checking this website for a while, which 
in my mind is more understandable because those websites are overwhelming <laughs> and uh, can be demoralizing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So just I, that's usually what I would say. And I feel like if a guy said that to me, like, oh, I just haven't been on this site, um, then that would read a little better. But in general, it's not a good look. He sounds like a workaholic. And that's not not a good look. Yeah. Yeah. You have to question where his priorities lie. Do you really want to be dating or do you just want to stay casual and ebb and flow? And what's funny with men is I feel like they feel the time always has to be right. I think that I don't know if you all were taught that after the default, a self-preservation mode. Everything has to be perfect. So if that way, if it hurts, it won't hurt as much because everything else in my life is right. Whereas I feel women which makes us better in general. We're taught to deal with all situations at once in any situation from being a kid. It's like, you are a woman, shit will be thrown at you, but you will always deal because you're the one who has to take care of home. So I think in that, in our personal lives and professional lives, we're always in a mode of taking care. So no matter what I have going on with work or personal life, unless it's extreme, I can date while I'm busy at work, but I don't know that men have that skill or taught that. So in that regard, they fall short and- they'll lose out on women like us because I am looking for a man who can handle both. That's interesting because definitely in my own dating and in my clients dating, there's a lot of women saying, you know, no, I can't date right now. Work is in the way or things like that. But it sounds like what you're saying is for at least you personally, you're sort of in dating somewhat independent of how much stress you have or sort of challenges you have at work because you know it's not like life is ever really going to get better. It's just going to get a little less stressful and then a little more stressful again. Is that sort of right? I think so. If you're in a professional mix, you're not quite a CEO that's been at the top for five years. There's, it's going to ebb and flow. So on that note, how does your career stress, work stress, all of that affect your libido in addition to your dating? It doesn't affect mine at all. Uh, I actually purposefully took a nonprofit job because I'm a bit more concerned with home life than work life. Um, I always kind of saw myself as more of a homebody and having a family and not as much of a careerist. I know this is kind of different for women today, but yeah, it doesn't Work's never affected my libido. I don't know if I have a higher than average libido, though. (laughs) I'm not sure. Yeah, it doesn't affect mine either. But like, A, I don't have a job. I've never had a job that has been super high stress. And that's been on purpose because I care more about my social life and my family life and my home life. Even before I was conscious that I was picking jobs that were not going to be super high powered and stressful, I was doing that because I was prioritizing other things. So no, my libido does not suffer based on my career. If I had a super stressful job, maybe it would, but I would not choose that. Yeah, I do have a super stressful job and um, I choose it every time when I switch jobs. Um, I just like it. I feed off of it. It feeds off of me in return. Um, and it actually, I think, up levels my libido when I'm stressed. It's like, I seem to fuck this out. Like, who can, <laughs> It's like, who's on my roster right now? Who can I turn to? And I'm so frustrated when my roster is actually empty. So Definitely the men on the listening feel that pain. So believe me, we understand. <laughs> so following on that, could you rate your sex drive? And you could rate that like one to 10. You could rate that high, medium, low, but- just kind of give us a sense of where do you think your sex drive is compared to sort of the average woman? I'd say overall it's 
Well, I don't really know what other women's sex drives are like, so it's hard I to compare. Because I don't sleep with yeah. them. <laughs> so I feel like it's average, uh, but it, I'll go through phases. Like sometimes I'm really horny for a whole week, and then sometimes I only want to have sex once a week. And it's it'll be like uh, it's almost like seasons or like moods that I get in. Um, but it's definitely not low. It's definitely not super, super high either. So it's the average. Yeah, I I think mine's ebbed and flowed as well. I've heard that women who have a higher than average libido are more likely to experiment with women, which I have done in my past. Um, I kind of decided I didn't like it. Um, so at that time, I think higher than average. But currently, I... I'm single and I don't feel like I need sex. So maybe I petered back down to like an average sex drive. Yeah. I have no idea what the average is. I would put myself, I'd like to be having sex four out of seven days a week. And the longest I'll go without truly feeling uncomfortable is probably two weeks. And after that, it's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, that might be another thing to to ask. How often would you like to be having sex? And I'm sure that, you know, will change a little bit when you're in a relationship versus when you're not, but what's the range for you, I guess? When I was not in a relationship, once a month seemed good because it, you know, hard to find people I even wanted to do it with. And so I'd feel satisfied if I'd like found one person a month um, or even less. But I was younger then. So I feel like now I would probably go a year if it wasn't with if the right person wasn't around. Like that matters a lot more to me than just having sex. Uh, being partnered once a week is good, honestly. Yeah, I um, I'm really choosy in particular and and have really strong preferences. So I'll, I've gone up to eight months without having sex um, in the recent past when there was just nobody that I was interested in having sex with. So I prioritize the right person over just having sex. When you're in a relationship. Oh, yeah. In a relationship, um, mm, that's a lot higher, maybe like two to three times a week. And it kind of depends on if it's the beginning of the relationship or not. At the beginning, it's like like five days a week like <laughs> you know you're like excited about the person and um but that peters off for me i think when i'm in a relationship generally every day unless my cycle is happening and then it's like eh. but like there's levels also to having sex there's a full-on three-hour session and there's like 15 minutes then i'm getting in the shower <laughs> i have to go to work <laughs> and when i'm out of a relationship i've actually come to terms that um, i would like to have sex weekly and i found myself dating people that i liked and not having had sex in maybe a week or two i'm like okay i'm gonna sleep with you now and i'm sleeping with them a little too soon and i put a little too much pressure on relationship for it to become a regular thing not knowing if i even like this person so i just decided at the top of this year that i'm going to have a sex buddy that can kind of keep my maintenance going and allows me not to what I think is sleep with people too um, too soon. So speaking of, you know, three hours of sex versus 15 minutes of sex, what's sort of the low end for you of, you know, a good sexual experience in terms of time and what's the high end? What's too long and what's too short? Maybe is a better way to say that. Hmm. I've had entire afternoons that were great. So I guess that was my high end, like, you know, noon to like six and then low end. Hmm. 15 minutes. Yeah. Like I'd say the low end is like if there's not enough time for me to get off also. <laughs> and I need like, you know, for us both to get off. Need I feel like I need 
like a half hour at least. And that's kind of might even be rushing it. <laughs> yeah. So that depends if it's, it's, the, low it's the goal or not. Like it's not yeah. always my goal. Sometimes I just like want to get fucked. I don't need to come. But um, so then 15 minutes. But if that's the goal, then yeah, like a half hour. True. Yeah. Depends what your aims are. Yeah. I would say you're getting off easy with me. I come very easily to a point where I can think about it and just come. And so I always feel like it's not fair because I, I want someone that thinks they have to work hard. But the moment you get used to me and my body, you know that I don't need much. And so <laughs> I think um, the lower end, 15 minutes, although it feels good. I'm like, I wish you would work a little harder. Um, and on the higher end, I get a half day or a whole day where it's like sleep, eat, sex, repeat 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 nice and speaking of that i wish you would work harder what does that look like what do you mean by working harder i definitely prefer a man who gets off on my pleasure and doesn't get off on his own selfish yes i don't give a fuck they're just better lovers they're more adventurous um not as repetitive i i tease my friends i like a circus act so someone who knows how to do that without me having to teach them, we can explore things together, but I'd like for them to lead on that. So that's what more looks like. And since I can already imagine the guys looking at their phones going, what? What's a cir- circus act mean for you? Um, positions, talking dirty, toys, places. Um, if every third or fourth time we could not be in my bed, that would be amazing. Nice. So it sounds like variety in terms of location in terms of position in terms of like the experience of it like he's talking dirty or he's not talking dirty Mm -hmm. but what you mean is you really want a lot of variety is that right yes please gotcha what are the biggest turn-ons that you have to get you excited to have sex i like touching and the small sweet touches that are consistent like my body inside my arm my neck public just being quite attentive without even the promise of clothes coming off. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, like the confidence to like grab my hand during the date. And um, so one guy like rubbed my foot in an Uber and that was, I was like, oh, it's on. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. Yeah, so just like, um, yeah, just like the confidence to touch beforehand. Mm. Boy, that just got nods from all three. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure how to answer that when you first asked, but that that sounds right. Yeah. Just those little things. And what about during sex? What are your big turn-ons there? Could be all kinds of things. Lots of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, <laughs> well, that's pretty bad. Where do I yeah. start? Yeah. <laughs> I think it depends on the moment where you're at. It's not the same for me every time, I will say. Yeah. Right, yeah, there's no like one answer to that. It's it's all sorts of things. Um a long list is completely fine. I don't think any of the men listening are going to complain about that. I will say no hickeys. Don't do that. <laughs> ah, too old for that. There's, yeah. Ugh, leave that in high school. Um, toys are good. Vibrators. Lots of different yes. types of toys. Mm-hmm. I really like toys. I like trying new toys. A vibrating cock ring I have found. I haven't tried that. Ooh. Okay. I'll put that on the list. <laughs> so since the guys are probably wondering, what did that do for you? It's the combination of him thrusting and the constant vibration on my vagina. I'm not a clit girl. I just, in general, like on my lips and inner labia. I'm not a doctor. I don't know the names of these things. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> but yeah, the thrusting with the vibration, uh, that is drives me wild. 
Yeah, vibrator's huge, I think. When yeah. that comes out, I'm like, yay. Yeah. So yeah. Always want I, the I will I recommend the Wee Vibe Tango. It's great. It rattles. It has really good reviews on Amazon. That's very exciting. So a lot of the guys, uh, this this comes up sometimes when men hear I want to have a vibrator around while we're having sex, they take that as some sort of sign that like they're not pleasuring you enough. And I know that's not true. So what I want to ask is, what is it about the vibrator? What does it add for you that makes it exciting Yeah. so that the guys can realize this is not your cock isn't good enough. This is this other thing. The clit is finicky and really, I mean, it's like he'll be touching one spot that feels really good. And then like in a second, it's like, oh, that's the wrong spot. And it's just like, it's like, um. I wish I could think of a good it's metaphor. Like finding like a bullseye. It's like yeah, where, it's like yeah. where's Chasing the a moving bullseye? A moving yeah. bullseye. Yeah. yeah, it's like where's the spot? And it's like elusive. And so the vibrator is like consistent, feel good stuff. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it kind of eliminates the moving target thing, and it just like feels good. And yeah, and then you can take control of it too, and like be more of an active participant, which is fun. That's a great point. Like it covers more mass with consistent action and i think also humans can't vibrate like a machine can you just can't right (laughs) not at all it's not a competition like if you are as a guy know to bring that into the bedroom you are pleasing me whether it be your human self or machine self like you made this move and so you are winning yeah i wouldn't take it personally it reads as thoughtful and um very like i'm interested in your pleasure if you get a vibrator that's like small enough that you can use while he's inside you then it's like it's I'm happy. It's less work for you. We can focus on the cock while the while the vibrator is doing what it needs to do on the clit and everybody's happy. So it's like, yeah, it's a, it's a good thing. It's not an insult. Nice. So in terms of communication during sex, which question do you prefer? May I do this? Can we do this? What would you like? Or fill in your own question for that matter. Can we seems the most um, mutual, I think. Um, or do you like, mm-hmm. I think, do you like this? Yeah. I like, do you like the, the may I, that just doesn't turn me on. Yeah. It's, it's too polite. It's, it's <laughs> too polite. It's not, yeah. It's, and it's not, um, dominant. It's like, yeah. it's like you're asking permission, which you are, but like, you want it to like sound like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little, it's not a little, turn on. Yeah. A little clunky. But for those guys who would prefer for maybe a more dominant woman, I will say, I felt like I was more free to talk in a more dominant matter once they talked in a dominant matter and kind of kind of set the tone. And I was like, okay, I can do this too. And to clarify, are you saying that you felt more able to dominate him when he had dominated you first? Or are you saying that you felt more able to respond to him being dominant when he did it first? I felt I was able to dominate him once he had dominated me first. So since we were talking about the clit earlier, what is your favorite way to have your clit touched, licked, stimulated, whatever way you prefer? But what's the way that helps you enjoy it the most? Vibrator. I'm 
I said this earlier, but I'm very passionate about the We Vibe Tango. <laughs> it's great. This is an ad for the We Vibe. This is an ad. Put in discount code. No, I'm kidding. We don't have a discount code. <laughs> Licking is fine, but I could take it or leave it. Honestly, it's like there's a lot of wet going on. It's sometimes hard to distinguish like what's meme, what's him, and it all sort of blends together. I know, like, yeah, Cunnilingus gets a lot of um, attention, but I actually would prefer like like one finger or and my my first preference is for a vibrator i'm the same way like the tongue can't get as i don't care how talented you are like the tongue just can't get as precise as i need on the clit (laughs) yeah and i have yet to meet a man that can like really i mean maybe he's out there but like they can like really (laughs) get it as precise as i need it to be and my clit's finicky and she likes what she likes and doesn't like what she doesn't like so one finger is usually good or a vibrator, yeah. Yeah, and not too, like, wet. I don't know, I need some friction. So, like, that's the problem with the tongue, too, is, like, it's, it's there's too much wet going on. I have a sensitive clit. It gets overheated, and it hurts before anyone knows it. So I generally just say stay away from it. If you do want to play with it because you like it, what I like is um, a gentle smacking motion. Kind of, like, mm. take your four fingers and just, like, a little bit on the top it. of it. And that way it's not too pinpointed. It's every now and then you get a little cool air blown down as you smack. So feels good. Every woman is so different too. I hear, I never hear uniform responses to this question. So it would just take a lot of like learning the woman's body that you're with. Oh, exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's from what I've heard talking to men, it's like every woman is completely different in what they like. So, And guys listening, that's why I asked a minute ago. What way do you like to talk about, you know, what do you like and how, what feels good? But this is exactly on point. It's about experimentation, just like it is, as I teach in the dating process, is experimenting. Sex is too. Try something, see if she likes it. And part of what's helpful here is hearing the range of ideas. Because there's things, you know, maybe you've never heard of the idea of, you know, slapping the clit lightly. And if you haven't, great, go try that. But explore with your partner. Don't just do the same thing every time. Thank you for listening to What She's Thinking. Please remember to subscribe. And to help other men find the podcast, please write a review on iTunes. Also, are you in the San Francisco Bay Area? I'm hosting two VIP online dating deep dives. Each of them has a max of eight people so I can give you personal attention. Last month, I held one of these in Los Angeles and not only got rave reviews for the deep dive but also got great feedback from the people that attended saying that they had already just after a couple of days seen a dramatic improvement in their online dating. So during each VIP session, here's what we'll do. First, we'll debug your profile. We'll remove a lot of the common mistakes that I see in your photos, in your profile, in your messages, all of that. Second, we'll determine how to recognize the match that you're really looking for. And third, we'll upgrade your profile to attract that match instead of women in general, which of course means it's much more attractive to the women that you want. The San Francisco VIP Deep Dive is Monday, April 1st at 7 p.m. And on Monday, April 8th, also at 7 p.m., I'm doing another VIP Deep Dive in the South Bay. So if you found this podcast useful and helpful, and if you're serious about getting your online dating working, go to debugdating.com VIP and grab your ticket before they're gone.